Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's cracking, dude? I don't care what they say. It's a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. 100%. The Bearcats have just wrapped up a victory over the Vermont Catamounts, 82-73, to in what will easily be classified as the most impressive performance of this young season for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Hummer, there was a lot to be enthusiastic about. What's on your mind? That was one of the best first halves the Cats have thrown together all season. Everything about it almost screamed the word perfection. There's no other way I can describe it as that is the epitome of what I think we have coming for us later on in the season. That is the upside we have been waiting for. This is what us as Bearcat fans, everything we've been hearing from the post, the preseason to the past few games, everything we're building for, this is what we have to look forward to, and I'm super excited about it. In this game, the Cincinnati Bearcats shot 45% from the field. They shot 12 of 19 for 63% from three-point range, and they knocked down 84.6% of their free throws. You couldn't ask for a better performance offensively relative to what we've seen so far this season. Obviously, there's been quite a bit of frustration brewing amongst the fan base regarding how the offense has looked so far this year. The players haven't seemed to have grasped the style of play John Brandon wants to implement. And this was the first game where I feel like we've actually seen a truly a true shift in style of play year over year, uh, moving on from what we've seen in the past. The ball and the decisions, the decisions that were being made by players on the team seem to be faster. They seem to be more firm and just quick with knowing exactly what they had to do. Players like Keith Williams, who aren't necessarily known for his ability to move the ball and make fast decisions... He's swinging the ball around the perimeter, hitting open shooters. He's driving to the hoop with force. And he's also shooting with more confidence than we've ever seen him shoot before. Keith Williams was by far the star of this game for the Bearcats. He he scored 23 points, five boards, five assists, two steals, efficient from the field, and he knocked down all four three-point attempts that he took. Everyone knows I'm a huge Keith Williams fan, but this performance was probably the best we've seen of his entire Bearcat career. Oh, 100%. Great, great performance by Keith Williams. And, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to take him down a notch because you can't. Great performance. But someone else who had a great performance tonight, and someone we've been waiting to see this kind of performance, Javen Cumberland had the performance of his young Bearcat career here tonight, too. Looking at his stat line, he shot 50% from the field. He shot five from eight from three-point land. He shot six from eight from the three, uh, from the from the charity stripe there, ended with 21 points. I mean, that guy also played phenomenal, and it was much needed too because in that second half, I know we 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 just harped on how great the first half was. The second half, while defense necessarily wasn't great, they still had a good offensive performance in the second half. That can't be lost that that happened. We won this game because we played defense great in the first half. I didn't think the defense was atrocious in the second half. I don't think it was great. 
Well, and, and late but, in the game, late in the game especially, there were some breakdowns. It seemed like the home, the last quarter of the game. If you break it into four quarters, the last quarter is where we seem to have the worst defensive performance. In his post game comments, John Brandon alluded to the fact that he was probably playing some of these players more minutes than intended. Um, and a lot of that's it did due seem to the like fact. At the end of the game, he was trying to see what he can get out of them. That and, and Jaron Cumberland only played 18 minutes in this game. He played a ton of minutes in the first half, and early in the first half, I think it was within the first minute, he had a collision with the player from Vermont, and it led to what sounds like a, a hit pointer, essentially. Hopefully nothing serious, but it did swell up on him, and it prevented him from playing. And despite Jaron Cumberland not playing pretty much the entire second half, the Bearcats not only maintained the lead, they actually extended the lead all the way out to 22 points. Now, I know in the final minutes, we lost some of that lead, but the but being able to stretch a lead out to over 20 against a Vermont team that's going to likely win their their conference, that has been a consistent presence in the NCAA tournament year after year, and that is right now ranked a top 100 Ken Palm team. This is no slouch. They took Virginia to the final minutes of that game. This is the first time they've lost back-to-back games since 2017. Exactly. It's a well-coached team. They, they execute really well offensively, and I know the, the offensive numbers early in the season have not been impressive for Vermont, but if you watch that team, they were knocking down three-pointers at an incredibly high clip. They shot 15 of 28 from the three-point line, and the fact that we're able to win a game against a team that shot that well from three, we still won the game by nine points. This wasn't a collapse at the end of the game. Sure, the lead dwindled from 20 to seven, but it never got closer than that. The Bearcats kept their foot on the gas. Players like Keith Williams, Trey Scott, Chris Vogt, they showed incredible composure down the stretch. They continued to attack and finish at the rim. This was an outstanding performance from the Bearcats tonight. And something else I'll point out with the, with their performance. You know, we're, we've been talking about all year, or all year about shooter, shooter, shooters. We know who our shooters are on this team. Jaron Cumberland, Javen Cumberland, Keith Williams. All of them hit their shots, their open shots. They took good shots. When they took them, they made them. That is the first time we've seen it all year against a quality team. And I don't know about you, but John Brandon sounded giddy during that press conference. And I don't know, but I sound kind of giddy just just talking and watching what happened tonight. Yeah, I thought, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm reading through Twitter while I'm watching the game. And and really the the feeling that I had and that I wanted to share with everybody and the reason we're having this post-game therapy session after a big win, I think it's important that we also note that, Hummer. These therapy sessions, they're not meant to be you know, gripe sessions after losses or bad performances or bad news. These are meant to also be celebrations of what we're seeing on the court. And when we have a performance like this, it's important that we hop on the podcast and and get enthusiastic about the team because this was exceptional. And I've been on record multiple times saying that our shooting is very limited, and it has been. We've got Jaron Cumberland and we have Javen Cumberland. And beyond that, there wasn't much to, to really believe in. The way Keith Williams is shooting the ball right now changes the dynamic of this offense entirely. Do I expect Keith Williams to always shoot an incredibly high percentage from three-point land like he did today? Absolutely not. But if he shoots... You mean 100%? The, yeah, that's obviously not going to happen. But <laughs> even... even He's not going to be a 40% shooter from three. That's not Keith Williams' game. But if he is decisive and confident in the shots that he's taking and they're within the offense, he's going to knock down 
a third of them. And if Keith Williams is shooting 33, 35% from three, our offense and the potential of this offense increases dramatically. Well, let's look at some of the other trends, too, that I like to see. And, and other people may disagree with this trend in particular. We had four players who didn't score, who did not score tonight. Chris McNeil, Mamadou Diara, Davenport, and Harvey. Is it a bad thing they didn't score? Not really. We're starting to figure out what the true rotation of this team is and what these players' roles are. Their role is to play defense and to come in and give these guys a break every once in a while. The real players of the real studs of this team, we're figuring out who they're going to be. Javen Cumberland, as you said, is the sixth man off the bench. Maybe he's going to end up in a starting rotation at some point. Probably not. not. No, Javen Cumberland is is entrenched in that six-man role, and it's appropriate because we want Keith Williams on the court with his defense, offense, versatility. And then from a from a starting guard standpoint, I don't I think s- it... I'm not dying to have Javen with also Jaron and Keith and Chris and Trey. Let's have some balance on our bench and starting lineup. I think the, well, here's the starting lineup, well, the starting lineup change is coming. It's changing. Start, we know who it's going to be. We know who it's going to be. It's going to be Ma. Ma Ma is coming into the game. He's going to be a start, He's going to be our starting guard. He's going to take over the role of Chris McNeil. Chris McNeil will be an off-the-bench guy by the start of conference play. Chris McNeil surprisingly outpaced Micah Adams-Woods from a minute standpoint tonight, 21-18. to 18, Essentially a 50-50 split. I'm surprised by that. We've seen things trending in the opposite direction where Micah's stock is rising, Chris McNeil's stock is falling, and, and in all honesty, Chris McNeil, when I watch him on the court right now, there's just not a lot of confidence in what he's doing. Um, I thought he had some positive moments in pushing the ball up court, finding, finding guys ahead for, for open shots, and creating opportunities for them to make plays. But down the stretch, he had a, he had a moment there at the end of the game where he drove into traffic and threw it to essentially nobody. Um, besides that, there's clearly a hesitation for him to let it loose from, from deep. And that's not a, honestly, that's a good decision because he doesn't have the ability to knock down three-pointers at a consistent clip at this point. Now, if I look at the 18 minutes we got from Micah Adams-Woods, this clearly was not the same performance we saw against Valparaiso. It wasn't the same performance we saw against UNLV. But I continue to be incredibly impressed with what he brings to the table. He makes excellent decisions pushing the ball up court. He hits Jaron Cumberland in stride in the first half where it's, it seems like a simple pass. But the way that he dishes to Jaron Cumberland, who's running down the right wing on this fast break, is in a way where Jaron Cumberland's able to catch, take a bounce, and finish at the rim for an easy layup. He's making the simple play, but it's allowing other players to excel and benefit from his creativity and just basketball IQ on the offensive end. So I continue to be thoroughly impressed with Micah Adams-Woods, and there will be a game when he eventually takes over that starting role. I don't think it's going to be Xavier, but there will be a game this year where Micah Adams-Woods becomes our starting point guard. Unless Chris McNeil comes out against Xavier and just has a completely different aura around him, Mike Adams-Wood is going to be critical for that game. And I know we, we talked about this on, our, on, on, the, on, the main, on the main pod, on the Monday pod. You know, we talked about guys having games. Mike Adams-Wood is not expected to have the, the, the Mac, Mike Adams-Woods game on Saturday. So that's, let's get, that out. Let's get that, that out there. But I think he's going to be critical in the coming in because his, his skills, his athleticism is, is just far above that. 
of Chris McNeil. And, and I'm not trying to put Chris McNeil down because he definitely has a role in this team. He's he takes decent care of the basketball. His turnover rate as a point guard is is not that bad considering the minutes that he plays. But when when you're not hitting your shots, you're not hitting your shots. And that's just that's just the name of the game here. Mike Adams was will be the starting point guard by the time conference play rolls around. It's a, big, um, it's a big confidence boost, too, when you see a freshman step up at the end of the game in the last minute, knocking down four free throws. He made all four, four free throws. You know, I'm, I can't say enough about how impressive and how, how hot he's outperforming the expectations almost to the same level that, that Chris Vogt is, to be honest with you. Uh, Chris Vogt, Trey Scott, those two in the front court, I, I just love the energy and the way that they compete game in, game out. If there's been, in terms of the consistency, we have seen no two, those two players have been more consistent or as consistent as anybody else on this team. And you could just see them feed off each other. Trey Scott now is, is looking for those opportunities to feed Chris Vogt for easy dunks. Chris Vogt is awesome at keeping these rebound opportunities alive, tipping the ball to other players. And Trey Scott, you mentioned it on the last podcast, his rebounding ability this season is just incredible. You know who he's reminded me of? Justin Jackson. A better Justin Jackson. He He's better athletically. He's scoring more. But he brings that energy that I can't wait to one time to see Trey Scott just grab a rebound or a big block and just come down with that mean mug. That mean mug. I, think I, I don't know. He's just bringing an energy to this team, and I'm loving it. I think you're. I think you're 100 on the mark. If you're talking from an energy standpoint and kind of what he does for the team, he is the spirit of the team at this point. He's consistent in the energy and the effort level that he brings, game in, game out, and that's certainly what Justin Jackson was known for his senior year. Style of play wise, I think Trey Scott. I prefer him in the sense that he's a better on ball defender. We saw the job that he did on Lamb tonight. Lamb was held to four of 16 shooting. He scored 16 points total on 16 shots. John Brandon confirmed post-game, and we all know if you're scoring one point per shot, our defense is doing a great job on a great player. Um, so the man-to-man defense from Trey, the rebounding, he's rebounding at a, just an incredibly high level. and his He's leading the AAC at the moment. He's finding every possible way to contribute to this team, even when the offense isn't clicking. And tonight is the first time we saw in a while. He knocked down a three-point shot. He took two of them. He took 10 field goals. He's finding his opportunities on the offensive end. And and if Trey Scott continues to ascend and all these supporting players continue to ascend, we're still waiting on one guy to really reach his, his peak, and that's Jaron Cumberland. And he wasn't able to tonight because of the injury. But this team's upside. When you factor in that Jaron Cumberland is not operating at the level we know he's going to hit this season, our upside, we're starting to finally see the upside that we have talked about before the season with this new style of play. Yeah, it, it almost feels like Bowling Green was like the bottom of the pit. In each game, there's been more and more positives. But there's something else I want to take away from the last like chunk of games. Chris Vogt and something that we've been worried about all season, which was his foul rate. We mentioned it that he at NKU, he had an incredibly high foul rate. While he currently is averaging more fouls per game, this season, I think there's a couple outliers in that data set that we have that we're looking at early on where he fouled out against Ohio State. But right now, he is playing incredibly smart basketball. 
for knowing that he's our only big man and still being able to score points, still being able to be a presence down low, not committing dumb fouls. Chris Vote, if you had to give my so far me an MV, me giving an MVP of the first half of the season, which is non-conference play, I'm giving that MVP to Chris Vote. Absolutely, Chris Vote is the MVP of this season of the team so far this season. Like I said before, his his effort level and consistency game to game has been out of this world. And you're right. From a foul standpoint, I thought he was going to be a hack. I thought he was going to be a guy who just couldn't not foul people. But if you watch, there were moments in this game. One example was when he got beat actually down court on an inbounds play. Uh, Vermont released their big man down the court. They found him with a long pass. Chris Vogt was able to sprint back, not only just catch up to this guy, he contested straight up and down, blocked the shot, recovered the ball. So not only did he save two points, he blocked the shot and didn't foul. Incredible. And you can see him when he's playing on defense. He's making a conscious effort to play smart, to challenge shots, but do so in a way where you're taking advantage of the fact that you're 7-1. You do not have to jump. Tim Duncan made a career in the NBA as, as one of the best defenders that the game of basketball will ever see. Tim Duncan does not jump for block shots. He, he, he works to use his size and his body to contest, and that will do the job. Chris Vogt, you're not Tim Duncan, but if you play with that style where you're not jumping and taking unnecessary risks, you're still going to be just as impactful on that side based on the pure fact that you're seven foot one, 260 pounds. So huge kudos to Chris Vogt on his performance early in this season. Yeah, and just to, to keep hitting on him, like just look, he's playing for all the all the Bearcat fans out there listening. Let's realize where Chris Vos is coming from. He's playing he's playing and basically going from college to NBA, and not trying to throw shade on the Horizon League, but I am throwing shade to it here. You're going from the Horizon League to basically. Uh, you're going to a power five conference in terms of the AAC from a talent level. You you're going, it's a big talent disparity. He is going from averaging two minutes, his freshman year to 12 minutes to 27 minutes. He's, he shot 54% in those two minutes. So you can't really take that as, as a stat line there. He did the same clip in his, in his uh, sophomore year. He is shooting 71%. His effective field goal rate is over 60%. He is the most effective offensive player on this team per Kempom. He's a That is not something we expected to hear or he's be a saying. Freaking revelation, Hummer. <laughs> I cannot explain how shocked I am by what Chris Vote is bringing to this team. John Brandon, John Brandon truly seems like a genius for what's happened with Chris Vote and Thank you, NCAA, for finally getting something right and clearing this man's waiver. Please do so for more players, not just UC's players, but across Everybody's the country. Everybody's players. Just, just let these guys play basketball. We're all better for it. We enjoy it more. And uh, Hummer, I'm, I'm really glad we hopped on here to do this, uh, this Vermont therapy session. It's important that giddy? I'm, it's important giddy that with I'm, it? I'm giddy. I'm giddy. I, I'm a. I don't know how you could walk away from this game not enthused about where the Bearcats program is right now. I want to see everybody on Twitter tomorrow morning just being like, I'm giddy. I'm giddy. Because you should be. Yeah, This is the best game we played all year. It's not a finished product. We're all aware of that. The defense isn't executing for 40 minutes a game. We're also aware of that. But the flashes are, are lasting longer. They're not so much flashes anymore. 
There are long periods of excellent performance. And if we can figure out a way to get that closer and closer to 40 minutes a game, this team is going to win a lot of games, get to the tournament, and really be dangerous. Because when you have the type of guard play that we have, especially if Micah Adams-Woods continues to rise, there's no telling the type of run we could go on in March. So I'm really excited about the development we're seeing. The second half of UNLV paired with this whole, the entire game basically against Vermont. I am one enthusiastic Cincinnati Bearcat fan. What are you trying to say there, Coomer? Guys, you already know it. It's a great freaking day to be a Bearcat basketball fan. And on that note, Hum, folks, please find us on Twitter at Cincy Slang. And we love engaging with the audience. We love meeting new folks in the Bearcat community. And we really do want to open up these therapy sessions to people who want to talk about Bearcats after losses, after wins. Our goal is to react to these games and have, have passionate feelings, win or lose. Honestly, it's, I'm, I'm, as, I'm as excited about this program as I have been in quite some time because we're seeing things move in the right direction. We're finally seeing the style of play click, and we're seeing players develop and get better game after game after game. So lots of reasons to be excited there. Hummer? Anything we should leave the people with? Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. We're Cheers gonna to win this, baby. Let's keep it rolling, Bearcat fans. On to Norwood. <laughs>